Mike. So this has been some year, hasn't it? Ugh, it sure has. Mike, you sound even more down than usual. What's up, dude? Well, all the family's isolating this year, so I'm alone for the horror days. So, you have nobody around that would be missing you, eh? Well, my family makes plenty of food. I nearly eat my own weight in meat. We'd love to have you for dinner. You want me for what? I said I would love you to come over for Christmas dinner. Oh, I wouldn't want to oppose. You wouldn't be, dude. There's hundreds of pounds of meat going around, and we wouldn't want it to go to waste. Just my waste. <laughs> yeah, that's a spirit, dude. I'll pick you up tomorrow. We'll get there ahead of everyone else, and you can start cooking. What? I said you can start cooking. You know, because I'll be busy setting the table. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. See you tomorrow. Well, we're here. And I brought the side dish. What did you just call me? The side dish. Sloppy Joe, it's in this bag. Oh, okay. Yeah, it goes great with a little rosemary in it. I guess so. So, not to get too ahead of myself, but man, this place looks really festive. I like those shrunken head you got wrapped in tinsel. Yeah, we decked the hall with head of holly. <laughs> so, what's on the platter? It looks like tiny little sandwiches. Paul Rubin sandwiches. Y you made Paul Rubin into a sandwich? No, they're called that because they're tiny, you know, peewee. Oh, okay. So, uh, you got any activities uh, after the meal? Uh, well, Mima and the kids will probably be making gingerbread men. What? Gingerbread men? Man, what is up with you? You are really tense. Oh man, I'm sorry. We've we've seen more than a few movies this year that all focus on cannibalism, and you know, just seeing all these mounted animal parts in a very isolated area with, you know, the uh, the human body parts all wrapped up in tinsel stuff. It's uh, I guess it's got me a little on edge, you know. Oh shit, Mike! You don't have to worry about us cooking you for dinner. Not every redneck family craves the succulent taste of human flesh. Besides, you would definitely be too marbly for half my family. They're diabetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's me. <laughs> Besides, that's why we've been keeping a homeless guy in the shed, marinating in a whiskey tub. He's a much better main dish. Oh, okay. Well, as long as I don't have anything to worry about. But he would go great with a side of macaroni and cheese. What? What? Hello, ho, 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 and welcome to the Graveyard Shift. We are in the third week of the Chris Massacre, and we are just enjoying the Horror Day Festival. My name is Mike, and I never work the Graveyard Shift alone, not even on these auspicious holidays. Please say hello to the guy who now has one more reason to turn down Christmas dinner invites this year, Eric. Glad to be here, Mike. Now stop looking at my package. <laughs> uh... Man, I I cannot wait to talk about this movie. It has been so long since I've last saw it with Sheldon, and now I get to see it with you and share it with you, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, I went in totally blind. You were very excited when we were trying to figure out a list of movies for me to participate and talk about, and this was 
at the top of yours, and you told me go in blind, no Wikipedia, no trailer, and I did just that. <laughs> I had never heard of this movie before, and I uh, can't wait to discuss it. Me neither. Funny enough, I got this from Twitter because I think it was the director himself or someone acting on his behalf was just handing out screeners of this movie to get the, the word out. Mm. And that's how I got my hands on it. Nice. And then I found a way to download it off that site that he gave me. So now I have a full version of it because the link has probably expired in the year since. <laughs> yeah, I found this free on uh, Voodoo, I believe it was. But either way. Yeah, so it's still out there. So without further ado, let's introduce the movie. Today's episode is The Burbs Have Eyes, Charlie Brown. <laughs> because we watched Mercy Christmas. We did. Uh, you know, we have watched, before we get into the, the movie, this has been quite a year of cannibalism on our show. We've seen uh, 2001 Maniacs. Mm -hmm. with, uh, we, we saw Deranged. Yes, another good one. Both good. Yeah, and on the other side of that coin, we've seen Microwave Massacre and uh, Eat and Run. 2001 Maniacs and Deranged were good. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Micro Ma Microwave Massacre did have its funny moments. Yeah. Just not a lot. And, well, you liked Eat and Run. Yeah, it, it just tickled my funny bone in all the right ways. Like It, it was and just you know such what? a unique comedy... There's so many comedies mm -hmm. that are tired in their methods because they always try to do the same old thing. This one did mm -hmm. the same old thing in an interesting new way. And I was tired after watching it. <laughs> it it no, did all, kind of all jokes aside, you know what? You, you never really know until you watch a film. And you know what? Just because I don't like it doesn't mean that someone else, you know, someone else won't like it as well. You know, yeah. I always say, you know... <laughs> Mike, Mike, I don't know if you actually called said it here or on my podcast. You've called me a connoisseur of crap. So <laughs> you know what? One man's garbage is another man's treasure. I'm not saying don't watch Eat and Run. I'm just yeah. saying I don't want to ever watch it again. <laughs> yeah, it's a unique one. Mm -hmm. So, and now we're gonna what? Since we've seen so many cannibal classics, and opposite of classics. We, why not end the movie, why not end the year on a very festive note? So that's why for this year, we're watching a cannibal comedy movie again. Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? Uh, so this was directed by Ryan Nelson, produced by Beth Levy Nelson, Ryan Nelson, Tarquin Alexander, and Everardo Goyanes. With a, based on the screenplay by Ryan Nelson and Beth Levy Nelson. With music by Mark Leonard, Chris Bills, and Daniel Lepervanch. With cinema, they could not get mu too bad. They could not get music by the band Nelson. <laughs> Would the music just be like, ha ha? Yeah. <laughs> uh, bad joke. You know, it's not just Mike that has the bad jokes, people. Okay. <laughs> With a cinematography by Kenneth Neil Moore and Ryan Nelson, edited by Matt Evans, produced by Other Paw Films and No Mercy Pictures. Distributed by Gravitas Ventures, released November 28th, 2017, with a runtime of 83 minutes. Starring Stephen Hubble as Michael Brisket, Cole Gleason as Andy Robillard, Whitney Nielsen as Catherine, Casey O'Keefe as Cindy Robillard, DJ Hale as Eddie, Ryan Boyd as Bart Robillard, 
David Ruprecht as Abe Robillard, Gwen Van Dam as Granny, Dakota Shepard as Denise, and Joey Keane as Philip. And this premiered at the Shriekfest Film Festival in Los Angeles in October of 2017, released on VOD the next month. And this film received positive critical reviews from multiple media outlets following its premiere. Dread Central described it as without a doubt among the best of the subgenre that comedy horror has to offer. Horror Freak News called it a new holiday horror classic. Ink and Code stated it might be the most I've laughed during a horror movie or the most revolted I've been during a comedy. <laughs> From the start, it establishes a bizarre tone and fully commits to it for the rest of the film. It is thoroughly surreal as it oscillates from gut-busting laughs to wince-inducing violence. Film Stage acknowledged its efficacy in the subgenre of comedy horror, saying, Nelson effectively mixes genre tropes with the mundane life of an office worker. He combines a psychological horror scenario, the off like office work futility, that's ripe with humor and a graphic horror aesthetic, prisoners of a cannibalistic clan, to embrace the absurdity inherent to both. And it won the Best Kill Award at the Sin City Horror Festival in Las Vegas, Nevada in 2017. And it was nominated for the Best Comedy Award at the, at the Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival in Buffalo, New York. And we got a little bit of trivia for you here. In addition to all the other trivia I just said. Uh, Stephen Hubble was a grip on the Avengers, the Sericana Chronicles, Little Fockers, and Seven Psychopaths. So this guy's not an actor by trade, but a grip. And it was based... Good, mo good movies, too. Yeah. And he was based on uh, a teaser short of the same name made in 2010 for $7,500. Then it got kickstarted, where in August 2015, 108 backers chipped in a total of $50,300 to top off the $150,000 budget. And so... Yeah, cannibalism, cannibal comedies has been a recent trend on the podcast, mm -hmm. but this is the first to blend actual horror and not just like slapstick comedy led by mm -hmm. people that were like too hack for talk show monologues. Yeah. At least in a while, because, uh, you know, by the time I wrote that note, I forgot we also did Deranged and 2001 Maniacs. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was, but it's the first to do it for Christmas. Because ah, there you go. There was 2016's Cannibal Claws. And then another one called Cannibal Christmas Massacre, which we're going to have to look up, see if those are available or not. God. But it turns out this is not actually the first Christmas cannibal movie. Because really? 1998 gave us Lucky Stiff. And it was the last film directed by Anthony Perkins. That's oh, right. God. Norman Bates in Psycho. And he was the director of Psycho 3. And... Yeah. It's about a beautiful young woman luring a fat man onto the family platter for Christmas. Oh, God. So it didn't exactly wow the crowds, and it only has a Rotten Tomato score of 40%. Ooh. So given the idea of that and having seen this, I would say it's a redemption on the premise. Hmm. Sounds like you're not so enthused. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe I'm all cannibaled out. But, you know, there's always next year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if uh, if the character of Philip seemed a little gay for a guy mm -hmm. that kept pining over Cindy, 
Mm-hmm. He was in a 2007 movie called Naked Boy Singing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But it turns out this was not his only horror credit. He was in 2011's movie Detention as Metro. <sighs> and that's all we have for the trivia. <laughs> so Yeah, I got nothing, but I don't, I don't think I can top anything you've said. <laughs> So if you haven't pictured out, pictured it yet, the a brief synopsis is a downtrodden office worker gets invited to a wholesome family dinner. Unfortunately, he's the dinner. And that's pretty much all you need to know for the concept. Mm-hmm. Short, sweet, and simple. Just like him. Mm. Oh, God. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. Uh, so... We start with the good and we start with me. My first good is we have Carol of the Bells leading into a fade-in of a white-tiled wall streaked with blood and a man screaming for help as a blood-red font on a black screen just slams into us. Mercy Christmas. So right off the bat, you get that saw feel. Yep, that's exactly the first thing I had. Opening scene, we... I, I just love the fact that his name is Brisket. Now, when I when you know what the <laughs> what the movie's about, you know he wakes up to like a blood spattered like white wall, and he just yells for help. Boom, Mercy Christmas, and then we cut to like two days earlier or something like that. It's a great way to open up a movie, get your attention, and you realize okay, we're in we're in for some shit. Yeah. So, what's your first good? Well, since we've already discussed that, my first or my next could, I guess you would be, is I wrote the oh shit kills at the bar. Yes. That's my second yeah. good. This is perfect synchronicity <laughs> here. Yeah, I don't remember the, what the bartender's name. Was that Catherine or... Yeah, that was Catherine or Denise. I'm not Catherine, really sure. Because I think Denise okay. was uh, the dispatcher. Okay, so Catherine, she's this grumpy bartender, hates Christmas, hates life, blah, 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 the usual stuff. She's, she's you know, giving her, like, one shot too many to her patron. And just out of nowhere, someone, you know, you don't see what they look like, shows up, stabs the drunk patron as they're attempting to go to the bathroom to, to throw up. And then Catherine is grabbed, two hands around her throat, and she's just strangled. And then, boom. Next scene. Oh. So it's setting up, you know, that is she a, is she a well, we know the, the, the bar patron is dead. Yeah. What's happened to Catherine? Because we don't we don't find out what happened to her for like another half hour. Oh, it's so amazingly paced. Like it's this is so amazingly paced. It's only actually 15 minutes until we see her again. But it feels like half an hour because so much w- weight is in all the other scenes. Mm-hmm. But I kept I kept a close eye on the timer, so yeah, like it, the the pacing of this movie is fucking great. Yeah, and again that that stab with the knife to the patron just it literally it came out of nowhere. It, that's it does. why I put an oh yeah sh- an oh shit kill because I that's what I yelled at the TV. It was jump scare. It was fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Mike my, my what I wrote down for that was we're pro- it looks like we're being promised a puke scene which we don't want to see mm-hmm. because this lady's just like oh. Uh, too many. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm yeah. like, oh, don't don't give us a barf scene, please. And then she was like, mm-hmm. oh, I got it. Okay, I get. I'm good. And I'm like, oh, good. We get spared that. And then immediately, psycho shower stab because the knife goes down like, wee wee wee. Yep. And just like fucking pummels her. And then the bartender gets choked out. It is quick 
and it is over as quickly as it starts. Mm-hmm. And my next good is Hubel. He portrays Charlie Brisket, a guy named Brisket. Mm-hmm. And he portrays it as this wonderful, pathetic, grown-up Charlie Brown. Yep. I have that, too. I put Michael Brisket. As, he's just so goddamn lovable in this movie. He's he, a loser. He has no friends. But you know what? You just want to run up and give him a hug. He's so sweet. Like, he is just so positive. He just mm-hmm. wants everyone around to be happy. He just wants to be a source of the happiness. He doesn't need to be the star of the show. He just wants people to be happy. And if he can be around, mm-hmm. that's great. If yeah. not, well, you know, he'll he'll let you be. Like he's a a wonderfully pathetic, sweet, simple, innocent, childlike man. Yeah. And he's he's not like childlike as in like mentally childlike. He's just childlike in, as in like innocent, like you said. I mean, like I said you want to just run up and give him a hug. He's so sweet that hug would probably give you diabetes. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I just I just loved him from beginning to end in this yeah. film. You know, for a guy that's a key grip, a guy that's a grip in movies, where the mm-hmm. fuck did he get this ability to act? Because he just evokes yeah. a, a warm, he evokes warmth and empathy. Like you mm-hmm. feel for him right off yep. the bat until the very end. You care about this man and you want him to live. You want him to succeed. Yep. You want so much good things for him. He is a lovable person. Mm-hmm. And he begins uh, like wonderfully pathetic at the Christmas party making, like at his Christmas party, making pathetic small talk with Cindy. This is after the boss just shits on his plans. Oh, yeah. And, of course. <laughs> and then when it finally starts making a turn, like he just sells the innocence of a man who's in over his shiny, sweaty head. <laughs> and the torture scenes that he endures, you really feel sad for him. Oh, yeah. He pulls it off as being sincere and hopeful. And, and the realistic fear and pain when he's getting mm-hmm. lit up. Yep. It, he's such a good actor for a guy whose yeah. career is moving shit around a set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. Like how, how good he was. Like natural talent. So what's your next good? Uh, you just briefly mentioned it, but you know, since we just talked about Michael, um, we've we already figured that it's gonna go bad for Michael with that opening scene. But I put figuring out it's going to get bad for Brisket. I loved his lame Christmas party. <laughs> it was I so loved... fucking fantastic. It, what it was her name? What was it? Cindy? Yeah. It was the blonde? I loved how he. No one goes to Michael's Christmas party. The only one that shows up is his boss's assistant. They drink eggnog. They play Secret Santa. She she gets a, a surge protector from from him, and she does her damnedest to show appreciation. While you know she brings over like what was it like her old family cookie recipe or something like that. They had great chemistry. It was a very sweet scene, and. It was extra sweet to me because we know something bad is going to happen because we were shown that in the very beginning. And you're once she invites him over for Christmas dinner, you kind of already have the rest of the movie figured out if you don't know the plot, like I didn't. But it didn't take away from how much I enjoyed this scene. This this lame ass fucking Christmas party. There was such with, great chemistry in the awkwardness. <laughs> yeah. 
he had I mean she's dressed looking sexy with her with her her gown and everything and Michael Brisket looks like you know a cheap version of Will Sasso in a really shitty Christmas sweater and it's still a really good scene because the chemistry between Hubble and Casey O'Keefe I yeah. guess is her name really really good you at this point you want them to hit it off because like yeah they both seem like they're sweet innocent people in in a in an uncaring office environment and you mm-hmm. just want them to find each other mm-hmm. uh, until a little bit later but i mean at this moment they, they i mean the, the talent on screen for mm-hmm. such a cheap movie is remarkable it's a feat yeah, it was so good. Uh, my next good is, uh, again, the pacing. Because within mm-hmm. 16 minutes, the twist is revealed. And mm-hmm. and the wholesome family on the, on the main floor revealing the basement slaughterhouse with a Merry Christmas sign. <laughs> That's the best, like, warning that someone's coming down the stairs is that Merry Christmas sign. <laughs> Just, just that, just you know, it lights up and you hear that, bzzz, you know, old timey, you know, noise, uh, sound effect of, of lights and stuff like that. It was, it it looked pretty, but it gave that sense of dread, like you're in, like you know, a torture warehouse out of Saw or something. Yeah. So again, within 16 minutes, you don't have to wait long. Just in case you think, oh, this is getting a little schmaltzy. I want to see some action. I want to see some terror. With in less than 20 minutes. You're already knee deep, near knee deep in the terror. Mm-hmm. Like the reality of the situation has finally come around, and it is mm-hmm. again wonderfully paced. Yeah, you don't get bored with this. No, not once. And this went by fast. I mean, it's eighty-three minutes. I mean, we've said, uh, you know, everybody has said, you know, whatever incarnation of the host on this show has said, ninety minutes is pretty much the perfect. Uh, time limit for a a horror film, and at eighty three minutes, this is it hits it head on. Uh, so, what's your next good? Okay, my next good is uh, everyone's in the every victim is in the basement. We have we have brisket, we have Catherine. There is a, a, a third victim named Eddie, and then there's an unnamed older man. And my next good is when the old man is killed, he's dragged off screen behind some tarp. We don't get to see the violence. We just hear the sound effects, <laughs> the screaming, and we have to judge or imagine what's happening by the reactions of the other three would-be victims. That is great. That, that is how you save money but look good doing it. Because, yeah, because that, that's my next good. Excellent camera work and gore. Because the camera cuts yeah. away before it gets too gory, but it mm-hmm. lingers enough on some scenes to so you can mm-hmm. take in what's happening. It's yep. so well done. Even if you have to avoid seeing how little they could afford to put in, mm-hmm. it is anything you don't see directly, you see people reacting to. Yep. And I've said it numerous times, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a color guy and a sound guy when it comes to, like, especially horror movies. And just hearing the sound off screen and having to watch the other three react to what they're seeing just puts those images in your head of what could be happening. I think you just hear like a saw. You know, it's probably, you know, like a 
electric carving knife or something like that. I don't remember. But you get those visuals in your head just reacting to their reaction. And it, it's smart filmmaking, not just for you know saving on a budget, but just for pushing the movie along and what else is going to happen to these three compared to what they're seeing happen to this old man. Oh, yeah. My next good is Cole Gleason. He is fucking impressive as Andy, the absolutely shitty boss and fucking psychopath. The way he tortures Michael with the Christmas lights, the indifference Mm -hmm. as he's just like doing it as like an afterthought. Like he's not even punishing him in reaction to anything Michael's doing. It's Mm -hmm. just there. It's like like every every five minutes, it's just like a reminder Mm-hmm. And it's like he's not even getting pleasure out of it. There's nothing he should be getting out of it, yet he does it anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and just like using a power bar after Michael gave a power bar to Cindy. So they brought mm-hmm. that back in. So Michael's yeah. kind of like, oh, yeah, I bet he's not going to think about power bars the same way anymore. And, oh. and the way Andy is, he's a sociopath who's obsessed with work. He's basically Patrick Bateman. Minus the mm-hmm. obsession with Huey Lewis and business yeah. cards. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really like the character. You're not supposed to, but this actor did a great job as this villain. Yeah, his you know, and casual so, cruelty. And he's so different from the rest of his family, too. I mean, they have their tiffs, but he they're happy-go-lucky, Pleasantville, you know, leave-it-to-beaver type bullshit. And he's just this fucking grump. And it works well in all of their conversations and interactions. Yeah, like that'll be my next good, but what's your next good? Uh, My next good is the caroling scene. I love how it's late at night. You got Christmas carolers outside, and the camera shows every family member, Granny, Dad, uh, Cindy, you know, what was the other brother's name? Abe, I think? Bart. Bart, okay. And, you know, Bart's, you know, cuddling his his, uh, now fiancé on the couch. They're all sleeping. Um, I don't know if they show the other victims, you know, uh, Eddie and Catherine. But so everyone's sleeping peacefully to this beautiful Christmas carol aside from Michael and Andy. And they're still, he's still there, bored out of his mind, torturing Michael. Pounding eggnogs. Mm -hmm. He's pounding eggnogs, staring off into space, just Mm -hmm. casually, constantly lighting up Michael. Mm-hmm. And you see the carolers outside as like the lights as Michael's lights are flickering as he's yep. being tortured. <laughs> it is the cinematography is excellent. Mm-hmm. Nothing less than excellent. It's such a beautiful hallmark picture with the backdrop of psychopathic malevolence. Yeah. So fucking good. Oh man. Oh. Uh, which brings me to my next good. Everyone in the family is so beautifully detached from the absolute depravity of their actions. Yeah. And as they go about their holidays in an otherwise Pleasantville situation, it's like a Hallmark movie with dismemberment and electrical torture. Oh, oh God, yes. Like, there's a scene where, um, where Cindy's making uh, some type of fucking soup or stew or something. She just put the kidneys in. You know, for the old man, you know, gotta let the kidneys soak overnight or something, they say. 
And was it dad t- sticks his finger in, tastes it, and he says, you know, just like mom used to make or mom would be proud or something like that. This yeah. disgusting, depraved act. But you know what? Mama would be proud. I wish she was here for this moment type of stuff. It's like you said, they're so detached from what they're doing. Like even when the father, years. even when the father is like praying to the wife, like telling them like, you know, Bart's found love. Sydney's Sydney's passing Cindy's passing on your recipe like it's like you're still here with us it's so fucking wholesome and sweet despite mm-hmm. the fact that they are murdering people in their basement yeah. and eating them yeah it, it's it's just so good I mean like you know even like you know granny wanting help in the kitchen with cookies and stuff like that I'm sure the cookies are made out of a person you know going back to like you know Probably not like Billy made in Black Christmas 06, but or it could very well be. But you know, <laughs> it's just it's it's really cool seeing like this Pleasantville, Leave it to Beaver, Andy Griffith type not not Andy Griffith like redneck, but you know, wholesome family <laughs> doing unwholesome, disgusting, depravable things. And, you know, then there's Andy as well. But um <laughs> it, it's really cool. And these all of these family members, these actors and actresses, they have fantastic chemistry with each other. Yeah, it's, it's like amazing. They had a goal and they fucking nailed that goal. 100%. Yeah, everyone's sleeping like a log, the carolers singing, while Michael is just staring off into space, just flicking mm-hmm. a power bar like it's like it's like it's like the Grinch, but if it's like the Grinch, but if the but if the Max the dog was just, just like having an axe pressed into his flesh. Yeah. Oh my God! This this was so such a beautiful dichotomy of sweet mm-hmm. and fucking terrorizing. Yeah, the perfect mixture of sweet and sour. Yeah. So, what's your next good? Uh, let's see here. Da-da-da-da-da. Okay. My next good is we already talked about how Michael is this lovable doof, not doofus. He's just lovable oaf, you know, yeah. sweet as can be. I love when I, th- I believe he's killing Granny, when he's or he's yeah, it's probably when he's killing Granny or the dad. That's I'm not the sure dad. Correct. I know what you're about to say, okay. and it was the dad. Okay, Michael's not sorry anymore. Yeah, he goes <laughs> from sweet lovable oaf to pissed off murderous oaf and it's an amazing switch you know that what that was me snapping my fingers not for an edit but because the switch was flipped yes and Stephen hubble was fantastic in going from you know lovable oaf to terrified oaf he's still terrified when him and eddie are hilariously trying to escape tied to each other (laughs) Oh, God. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yep, I knew he would. That's why I, I, I didn't write that down because I figured you would. <laughs> but he goes from lovable oaf in the beginning to scared and terrified, you know, in the basement to scared and terrified escape B to wanting to rescue Catherine because she's still there to murderous yeah. Avenger. Well, he knows to rescue her, he's going to have to go through each and every one of them and you know, he's been trying to think like all the time it's supposed to be a time to be gentle, loving, considerate. But mm-hmm. in order to do that to the right person, he is going to have to be the opposite to the exact mm-hmm. people that deserve it. Yep. And so, like, he he accepts what has to be done. When he first hit the old man, he it's like we get to see the last of Innocent Brisket because he actually mm-hmm. says, I- I'm so sorry. 
And then Eddie is just like, no, you're not. And then he just switches like the Grinch's heart, like the Grinch's balls grow three sizes that day. <laughs> and then he's just like, you're right. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. And then he just like stabs him with a fuck. And he's just like beating the shit out of him with a fucking ornament hook. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's also good use of a low budget with very little gore. We get a couple blood sprays on Michael as he's beating the dad to death, and then we see the aftermath. Yeah. So we don't get to see well the hook. The yeah, we don't see the hook going into the dad's face. Mm-hmm. Just Michael beating to the corner of the camera, mm-hmm. and then the finished, the finished off father. Yep. Ah. Uh, yeah, you're getting a little ahead of me, but mm-hmm. oh man, this scene—it's so—it's absolute. Fu- it's everything that these family people deserve. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but if it was done, you know, more tastefully, <laughs> uh, less screaming. Yeah. So my next good is Philip. He's perfect as the annoying intellectual ex-boyfriend who isn't really an ex-boyfriend because apparently they only had one date but the family's just so taken with him mm-hmm. that they decided to invite him over and how he, every time he talks he gets under Cindy's skin so you can just see her like slow boiling like oh, first yeah. she's annoyed first she shuts him down because she's just like annoyed but then mm-hmm. she starts getting angry and then yeah. the next time she gets like she starts snapping at him like she's on her last nerve and then he yeah. just does like some more actually Ralph Waldo Emerson once said and then she just fucking gives him what he deserves a fucking mm-hmm. repeated stabbing in the chest with scissors mm-hmm. and he's killed before I began to hate the actor, the writer, and everyone else around him. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's a balancing act when you have an asshole in a movie. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you want to hate you want the actor to hate them, but you don't want you want the, the viewers to hate the character. You don't want them to hate you for putting them in the movie. You don't want them right. to hate the actor. You don't want them to hate every other person who shows up on set and agrees to share space with this guy. Mm-hmm. It's it's a beautiful balancing act, and they nailed it because he gets killed very – he's like – gets killed very quickly. Yeah. Given his amount of screen time, even though it feels like he's been around for a lot longer, he's only yeah. there for about 20 minutes from his first appearance, and mm-hmm. he he gets what he's got coming to him. And mm-hmm. it's just the right amount of pacing. It was cathartic to see him get stabbed. Mm-hmm. And then it's he's done – those- yeah, it's it's he's one of those characters where you don't hate him. Like he's not a he's not like obscenely nasty. Like you, you right when you see him, you hate him. It's a gradual buildup. It's kind of like the um, he's like Cindy. Like, the, like Cindy, yeah. You share her ire with him. As she, mm-hmm. you get more annoyed with him, she gets more annoyed with him. So he's and, so it's a great proxy to have her sharing your anger with him. Yeah, and then and then as a viewer like it's it's like what is it like Friday the 13th part 7 you know if you if, that's the one where he fights the girl with the telekinesis there's the like there's like the blonde bitch you know the rich snob that's always picking on like the the final girl she's one of those where her the hatred you have for her it's not obscene because you you know and make you want to like turn the channel when you're watching her but her the hatred you have for her builds up so when she finally gets it you have that euphoric feeling you were like fuck yeah finally so when philip gets it you're just like 
thank God he's gone. You know, it's one of those, you know, good moments that you've been waiting for and you finally get it. So what's your next good? Okay, I only have two left. They're towards the end of the movie. So if I'm really far ahead of you, it's up to you if you want me to keep going or do you want to do another one? Yeah, I'll do one more. Uh, okay. Michael escaping the basement, not standing, but crawling along the floor with Eddie on his back like Chewbacca <laughs> would see 3PO. I was thinking Luke and Yoda on Dagobah, but yeah, still. <laughs> well, if Yoda was fucked up, then. That's true. <laughs> Either way, they had short legs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, God, that was so good. That was so good because, man, poor Eddie. Oh, oh God. Eddie. Like, he's having a bad day. Like, he does He does seem to get a little annoying because he's, like, very mouthy and emotional. But, yeah. you know, given the situation he's in, can you really blame him? No. He just had his legs cut off. And then he had his wounds cauterized with a hot iron. And he, you know, he's already been there. He's been there longer than Michael has been. <laughs> he does get a little annoying when Michael's trying to hide. And Eddie's just like, come on, open the door. Let's kill them. Let's kill them. Let's kill them. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, we got to get out of here. And mm -hmm. it's like, he, you worry like he's going to give it away because he's con he's increasingly getting louder. Like, he wants to fucking fight and kill these people. And Michael's, yep. Michael's still, he's still got some shred of his innocence left. He's, mm -hmm. he hasn't hit, he hasn't hit like manly mode yet. He's just like, right. let's just get out of here, please. Yeah. And it was good. You know, you know, you mentioned how Michael hasn't like totally lost it. Yeah. You have the rage of Eddie and the sweetness of Michael just working off of each other. Oh, it's a so, yin yang yeah. thing going on. It's fucking yep. beautiful. And you wonder like, will Michael calm down Eddie? And it looks like he does. But in the end, Eddie's rage, I wouldn't say corrupts Michael, but it gives him what he needs to survive. Yeah, he gives him that like that, that extra kick in the ass to do what he has to do. The well, kick in the ass with no legs. Yeah, uh, that stump in the ass. <laughs> that thump in the butt. <laughs> it's it's getting worse. I'm going to stop. Okay, what's your That's next right. good? He gave him motivation, everybody. Yes. <laughs> okay, my next good is, like I said, it's towards the end of the movie, is a... You know, Granny's gone, the father's gone, the final three versus three fight of the family. Well, okay, three versus two and a half fight. <laughs> the family versus the victims. You have the women going at it in the kitchen, and they are using they are using fists, they are using uh rolling pins, knives. You know, knives. I think someone gets their face thrown in I don't know if it's a bucket of water or Cindy gets of, her face shoved into a pile of cookie mix dough. That's what it is. And, and man, the, these everything comes fight. back. The power yep. bar comes back to Michael and the cookie dough comes back to Cindy. Like yep. every, it's like everyone gets their own gifts used against them. And that, that beautiful synergy. Yeah. It just fucking works. Like the writing yeah. on this is so yeah. layered and immaculate. The, like these women are, are, are just, you know, it's not a typical cat fight. These women are going at it. They're tackling each other and fighting. And then you have... Michael with Eddie tied to his back. They're fighting. Um, they're fighting. Uh, what the hell was his name? What Bart and Andy. Bart. Yeah, yeah, Andy and, and Andy and Bart. And God, they're <laughs> they're they're able to keep up with the two. You know, 
you know, the the one and a half is man, men are they're able to keep up with the two full size men. Yeah, and it, despite the fact brutal. that they've both been tortured, to the fact you think they'd be fill you think that they'd be mm-hmm. weak and exhausted, but you know that rage and that adrenaline that's just coursing through them it it, it makes up for their, their lack of body parts and sleep. Yeah, Philip, you know, uh, not Philip, um, Eddie is tied, you know, wrapped around uh, Michael, and he all he's got for a weapon is that that hot iron. And it's no longer hot, but he is using it, you know, swinging it with 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 no regard. And uh, Michael is fighting how he can fight. It's, it's it's really intense. It's it's both well choreographed and sloppy, like a real fight would be. Because if you think about it, if you're going to get in a real fight, it's going to be messy. People are going to be falling over each other, you know, tripping over each other, that type of stuff. And it that was the fight, you know, in the kitchen with the women. Just this whole five minute scene if not maybe more i mean it's like i said with the pacing it's hard to tell it felt like 15 there was was just so much going on it was really exciting it was really hard to keep up with but not on a negative aspect because so much is being thrown at you at you know the viewer it's just so fucking good ah absolutely the like just the intensity of it like where where the uh, the two brothers are starting to beat them down, mm-hmm. and then Michael just says unplug, and Eddie just like unplugs the bar to the lights that's holding him mm-hmm. up, and then he just lunges off of him oh, and God. into Bart, <laughs> and he's taunting him with Denise's phone like I killed your bitch. She got a fat what? ass. She looked like a man. <laughs> he's just like doing everything he can to infuriate Bart. And mm-hmm. oh god, Bart! Oh fuck! When Bart lays into him with that axe, oh god, or, or that butcher knife, you're just like, oh no, Eddie, no, please, no. Yeah. And oh. Catherine gives Cindy a full titty twister, and I don't oh, I mean I don't mean a nipple titty twister. I mean full titty, like she grabs her tit and she twists. It. Oh, oh, she just like squeezes her tit, and she's like, ah. And see, that's what I mean. It's not just, you know, it's choreographed, but it's dirty. You know, they're they're fighting dirty. You don't fight fair. You fight to win in real life. And this was a dirty fight between two women. Oh, and Cindy gets, Cindy gets Catherine's hand in the, in the, uh, uh, fuck, the disposal. disposal. Yep. And she's just like trying to reach over her to grab the thing as, as she's, as Catherine is reaching for the rolling pin. And you're just like, Mm. oh, which one's going to get it? Which one's going to get it? And it's like. Anything can happen because we just saw Eddie die mm-hmm. and or Eddie got like got a, a, a fucking butcher blade in the back. So yep. you're just like anything can happen. Either one of these people could die and then Michael could be fucked. Yeah. And just the tension in this. It's hilarious, horrifying mm-hmm. and action packed for people that aren't supposed to be like ninjas or, uh, you know, high combat skilled henchmen it's mm-hmm. just regular people fighting for their very survival yep and that tension is just fucking there that's great uh my next good is uh right before that when they sneak outside and then denise goes outside and you're like oh shit is denise gonna see them uh crawling along the walkway like how like is denise gonna find them and then, boom, Eddie just says, like, Merry Christmas, bitch. And he yep. just, like, he just, like, smashes her in the face with an iron. And we just fucking see the end result of, like, blood coming out of numerous wounds mm-hmm. in her face as she drops the phone. 
Yeah, great makeup work. Oh, and the blood just like dripping off yep. of her face and then luring Granny to the door with, with the fake caroling. Where mm-hmm. it's just like two men's voices and nobody recognizes like, hey, this sounds like the guys that we have in the basement. Because again, they're so detached. They're mm-hmm. so absorbed in their Christmas holiday stuff. They completely don't think these sound like the people that we're murdering. Yeah, uh, you, you you said completely detached. I forgot the fact that like these guys actually leave the victims in the cellar so they can go to a fucking church service. Yeah, nobody stays That's to guard them. Yeah, they're that they're that detached because this is just another you know this is just another day at home. You know, we we kidnap some more people. We're gonna cook them for dinner. Let's go to church. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At, oh fuck! Yeah, it's when Granny opens the door. That's when Eddie says "Merry Christmas, bitch," and just mm-hmm. like slams the iron in her face. Like that iron sees so much action. It's yep. fucking great. Ah. Uh, so, uh, do you have one more good? I have one final good, and it almost didn't make the cut. And <laughs> there's and it's for a reason. We have a mid credit scene. Yes, you, you got my me- good. <laughs> yep, you already mentioned how uh, Eddie gets stabbed with a butcher knife, and this this motherfucker has already been put through so much. Missing his leg, he's being hauled around like either C three PO or Yoda, you know, whoever you want to say. You know, he he's had the shit kicked out of him. <clears throat> Excuse me, and then he's stabbed with a butcher knife, and I grew to like him. You said you were a little bit annoyed with him. I grew to really like this guy, <laughs> and I was I was I'm like, oh man, come on. All three of them have to get away, and of course, it's got to be the black guy that dies. But then we get the mid credit scene, and we pan to Michael, or not Michael, we pan to Eddie's body, and his hand starts to make a fist. And then we go back to the credits. So it almost didn't make the good because, you know, I thought Eddie was dead, but the fact that Eddie lives is my final good, and I was super happy. That's my good, Eddie lives. It was just like, it's it's a Christmas miracle. Ah, <laughs> uh, it, it truly was the happy ending that this movie needed. Like, we didn't need like a two-thirds good happy ending. We needed a, a, a three-thirds, a whole happy ending. And you know what? With a little bit of patience, if you just don't, if I've seen some people, as soon as they see the first credit, they just walk away. Mm. And I'm like. Dude, like, watch the fucking credits. Like, listen yeah. to the music. Sometimes there's stingers and stuff. Like, it's like, it just seems like they're just so eager to just fucking be done with something. Yeah. I've learned way before Marvel started doing the mid and, and, and end credit sequences, you know, with their films. I learned from an early age from, like, a lot of 80s movies. You wait till the end. Like, Ferris Bueller. You wait till the end to see if there's something else. And lots of times, you know, people have missed it. And yeah, there's plenty of movies that had uh, mid like uh, stuff like even in uh, Chopping Mall, mm-hmm. you had Protector Three at the end. Yep. So yeah, this just seeing that Eddie does survive, and you know the ending of this movie is great because we got we got Michael and and Catherine they they've survived. They're they're either on the on the porch or or on the um, on the sidewalk. They're 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 embracing each other, covered in blood, looking like shit. Carolers find them. Someone dials nine one one, and the ambulance comes. So it's already this great ending. But then you get this mid credit sequence, or you know, and, and it's it's like five seconds long. 
but you see, you know, you see the fact that Eddie is still alive, and that's like that perfect, like, fist pump, you know, yes, perfect ending. Now, this great ending became, like, perfect for me, and uh, I'm glad he, I'm glad Eddie lived. Yeah. And as much as we loved many aspects of this movie, there are a few meager criticisms, I would say, or at least questions that, you know, should have gotten an answer and didn't. I have two, and they both have asterisks. <laughs> so. Funny enough, I have four. See? Okay, so we always start with the guest, and Eric, please, what's your first bugbear about this movie? Okay. It has an asterisk because, and the reason why is I don't like this, but the asterisk is because it has a reason and a place in this film. I don't like the fact that poor Brisket has to do, while he's being tortured, he still has to do his fucking boss's work. (laughs) I get why. It's just to make him more sympathetic because he keeps getting tortured is to show how sociopathic and insane Andy is, but it's just like I just didn't you didn't want to like see it. it. You just right. don't want to see it, even though it it really tells a lot about the characters. Yeah, I just thought it was dumb. I mean, you could just make Andy torture him in a different way, but again, asterisk. Uh, I know it it serves Andy's character to show that like he's such a workaholic. Mm-hmm. That he'll make his meal work for him. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I have a bad about that, too. And my okay. bad is, what's stopping Michael from just ruining the reports with slightly off numbers while he's being mm-hmm. zapped? You know, if I was this guy, I would sabotage the numbers just to be like, I'm going to bankrupt this fucking company or embarrass this asshole. Like, I'm going to get some revenge from beyond the grave or beyond the gravy, as it is. <laughs> Beyond the gravy. Well, it was a good thing he didn't, though, because I do remember there is a line where um, he he's uh, Andy's messing with Michael, and he says, "You know what? You're really good with numbers. You're doing a really good job." So he Andy's also proven that he is checking Michael's work. Oh, yeah. So I guess that that puts the asterisk on my bad, because <laughs> that see. probably that probably would have done bad. For, that probably would have led to bad things for Michael. Ah, <laughs> mm. uh, so. My first bad is amazing how Philip and Denise are just brought into the family and they're just okay with the cannibalism. Yeah. It's like it's like you need to allow that people in this world have that kind of leeway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Philip was all for it. Denise, she was a little against, I think, what was it, at least watching the torture, but she was still all for the fact that they're eating humans for Christmas dinner. Or just eating humans in general. You know, she's not just there. I mean, she's watching, like, the old man's kidneys being put in the soup and, and stuff like that. It's it's really weird that we just have to accept the fact that they just happen to find people to be in relationships with. And they're okay with the people they're dating are cannibals. Or have dated are cannibals, you know? Yeah, it's... A bit of a stretch. It, it is a stretch, but... It, I mean, it's kind of, I guess you just want to have, like, more people for, for them to kill as they make mm-hmm. their escape. Right. So that makes sense. And it's amazing how Philip just gets, 
he goes over to have dinner and ends up being dinner because he just can't keep his fucking mouth shut. Mm-hmm. And it's like, great, because it's just like, you get what you fucking deserve. Yeah. Uh, so, what's your next good? A bad? All right, well, my final one, and again, asterisk, very minimal. It is when Andy is killed and he's lit on fire, the fire effect on his face, the CGI, is pretty bad. It looks so fucking fake now the after effect even though he looked like deadpool without a, his mask was really good looking but the 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 actual flame on his head you know his face burning that effect was pretty cheap and pretty lame it was quick so you didn't have to stare at it very long but it was still pretty lame yeah that's i mean given their budget it's probably the best they could have done so mm-hmm. they just tried to like let's just add the fire as much as we can so that you right. don't see like half the half makeup job we've done on them and then we'll right. just put the full makeup on them afterwards. Yeah. But still it was as bad as it was it's just it's not enough for me to like say it really ruined the movie in any way but it it's still a negative for me. Yeah, you could just see where the budget started to kick in. Mhm. It's like there's there's many ways to go around a bad budget, but when it comes to CGI, it, it you really get what you pay for with that. Yeah. So my next bad is how did the family know that each of these people were losers with no family? Because they're not they're not spending time to vet them. Right. Because if they were, like Cindy did with Michael. Nobody would be asking, like, who captured them? Who brought them here? They'd be like, oh, no, the guy that shows up at my bar every mm-hmm. week. One of my regulars brought me here. Or the old guy, he would be just like the the guy that does my meals on wheels. He, mm-hmm. he, he, uh, he brought me here. Nobody knows who brought them there. Michael's the only one that any of them spend any time with. Yeah. So how did they just know who wouldn't have anybody looking for them? Yeah, it would have been a little bit. It would have been nice if we spent a little bit more time with the other two, at least being stalked. You know, seeing we can see their interactions or little to no interactions with anybody. You know, just to see how long they've been stalked, so they have some information. But it's like, yeah, somebody could be a grouchy bartender, but they could have like fifty friends on their Instagram that are just like, "Hey, where's your where's your live cast? Like, has anybody seen them?" Mm-hmm. So it is, I mean, they don't really seem like the type of family that has like a big tech setup where they would be just like, I hacked their Instagram, find out they only like, they only have like two followers and, Mm -hmm. you know, both of them are their pets. Like, like, there's no justification for how they know nobody's going to be looking for their targets. Exactly. And uh, you got any more bets? Nope, I'm done, dude. Okay, my last bad is uh, they killed Denise, as they should, but they don't call the fucking cops first before going back in to rescue Catherine. Like, her phone is right there. Mm -hmm. You didn't see the phone broke. It's covered in blood, but I'm sure, you know, the phones nowadays can, you know, take a a big beating and you can still use it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we do see, as uh, Eddie's fighting Bart, we do see the phone later, and the phone appears to be broken or something, because they see circuits on the back. Mm. So at some point, like, the phone gets broken, but I don't, I don't yeah, see I, how. I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's broken when they kill her in, in the car. 
No, they definitely, like, Michael could have reached in. I mean, I mean, it would have been funny if they couldn't get the phone because Michael can't fit in through the door because Eddie's tied to his back. <laughs> that would justify them not calling the cops because Michael can't, like, get in because when he tries, like, you see Eddie's head banging into the door and he's like, ow, fuck, Mike, stop, Michael, please. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then they just leave the phone in. Like, that would have justified it a bit. But then yeah. we need the phone later so that so that Eddie can taunt Bart and be like, guess how I got this, you fucker. Yeah. So now we get on to the kill of the week. <laughs> and the kill of the week is, Mr. Robillard, I quit. Because <laughs> Michael finally gets his boss in the, in the, in the exposed torture lights. And he just adds the eggnog that he spiked with alcohol to set him on fire, which is a fitting end for the shittiest boss that ever lived. Because, like, this guy needed to fucking suffer. Not a quick kill. He needed to fucking agonize. And boy, he got it. And even though the fire was clearly fake, the great burn makeup afterwards made up for it. As we just see his head like almost like melting into the floor as we see like little patches of hair. It's Mm -hmm. not just like a bald cap with some like pockmarks on it. We Mm -hmm. see little pieces of hair that like survived the burn as well as like a little scorch mark on his collar. Yeah. I think we see some steam rising up too, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my kill. Michael, who has been enduring torture at this guy. I mean, th- I don't know if we ever got into like how he's torturing him with the Christmas lights. He uses a yeah, knife to pull a uh, pull a wire out of one of the Christmas lights and just tucks it into Mike's collar. So mm-hmm. every time the Christmas lights go up, he gets the current run through his body. So by using that exposed wire to torture Mr. Robillard, like he immobilizes him, and mm-hmm. as he's paralyzed, he throws the eggnog on him and says, Mr. Robillard, I quit. Yeah. And even at the end, like, Robillard, he's less focused on his own physical pain. And he's like, fuck you, Brisket. I'm a winner. You're a loser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Robillard is so obsessed with being the top dog. Again, detached from the reality of the situation, because he's so obsessed with his own, his own right to be a leader exactly. and get away with everything yep he's got to get the last word no matter what oh he's such a perfect asshole and he dies as he should and it's fucking fantastic it is yeah, he, just we get to see the poor sweetie get his revenge yep what about you was there a kill you liked better or was uh, that your top kill? i i would have picked that if it wasn't for the fire effect I'm going with Cindy kills Philip with the scissors because the first off, Philip sucked and we were happy he was taken out. We got to see the rage in Cindy. We'll take him out. And we actually got to see some good gore. Yeah, it's one of the few kills where we see it really happening. If there's no cutaway, you see a knife going into his chest and blood spurting out of it. Yep. Oh, the scissors. I, yeah, so yeah, so I w- I would go with that just be based on the the gore. How much you you hated Philip, and Philip didn't just need to be there. Didn't need to be there at all. He was there just to have another body, but uh, just to see Sa- Cindy snap on him, which we all wanted to do, is what put and seeing the gore is what pushed it over uh, up to number one for me. 
It's a very, it's a great kill. Oh, so now the rating. Me, I'm going to give this four and a half well-roasted legs. <laughs> it, it's, this is my second time seeing it. It still holds up. It's a classic that dances between genres like raindrops. It, it will be a drama. It will be a satire. It will be a festive holiday feel-good movie as well as a comedy and then an action movie as with the, under, with the constant undertones of a psychopathic horror. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I uh, I gave this four and a half drugged cups of eggnog, and <laughs> you, you everything you said is great. You know, again, you know, brisket is the lovable oaf. You love him from the beginning to the end when he finally snaps. <laughs> the comedy is great. The the happy go lucky detached family is great. Um, though he. The way the director uses his lack of budget for the gore is great. And my dislikes, you've already heard me, they, they're they nitpicks. They have asterisks for a reason. Um, yeah, definitely worth the four and a half drugged cups of eggnog. <laughs> uh, and this is fittingly like a great movie to have for the week of Chris Massacre. But it's not the end of the holidays because... This year, usually we take a week off, but because you listeners have, you've had the same year we've had, we've all been through 2020 together, so we're going to give a little extra in your stockings. So instead of taking a break, we will give you an extra week of Chris Massacre with a movie that Eric holds in high regard. Yeah, if you haven't suffered through 2020 enough, suffer one more week with us. <laughs> You know, misery loves company. That's right. I, I, we, we, we're, we're keeping a secret like we do, unless I fuck up the intro, you know, on occasion. We're keeping it a secret. Mike has never even heard of this film until I suggested it. I found out about this film roughly six months ago, watched it, really enjoyed it, really ready to watch it again, and hopefully I still enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> this will be your This will be your classic to see if it holds up. Well, I never, when I told you this, I never said the word classic. I just said I enjoyed it. So, <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> so, But I, I had fun. You at least said, you know what, you watched the trailer and you said you were not – you were interested in, in watching it and talking about it. So, you know, I'm going to take that as a plus. I don't even remember seeing it, so. <laughs> oh, great. It's just been purged from the cache. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, man, I, I – I really got nothing else to say. This has been a fucking great week mm. as far as I'm concerned because I got to see a great movie with a new friend and yep. you you enjoyed it just as much as I did. Oh, fuck yeah. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I might show this to my family or uh, a friend later this month. Like, I'm definitely going to be showing this to other people. I want everyone to know about the, the, the trials and tribulations of one Michael Brisket. Yeah, I, I recommended this to my buddy at work who enjoys horror. He had never heard of it like me. I, I told him the plot because he doesn't care. He want, he doesn't care about the plot, but I told him very little. And he says he's looking forward to it when it gets closer to Christmas. Um, it's it, Put it this way. We saw this for free. I said I saw this on Voodoo. Like what we said in like the FDR American Badass episode, we saw both of that for free on Tubi. We loved it so much. 
I would personally buy a physical copy of this movie to watch because I really, really enjoyed it. And I would not be against, you know, paying to own this film. Yeah, I might do that too if I can get a, if I can get a little more deliveries on Uber because I spent a little uh, extra on my nephew's Christmas present this year because mm-hmm. I wanted to get like a uh, like a tabletop game for uh, the eight year old and the thirteen year old that would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, kind of like a a child version of D anD D. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, try that. It's called Wardlings, like Wardlings. Uh-huh. And uh, you can look into it. It uses like a, a simplified version of D&D. So if you think, oh, yeah, the idea of like role playing, make believe imagination is good, but there's just too much math. It uh-huh. uh, it simplifies it enough, but still works with D&D rules. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, this, we got the same situation here. <laughs> we're, we're, we're strapped for cash because of our Christmas gifts to our daughter, because the poor kid hasn't had a birthday party in two years. Uh, last year, her birthday was around a time when we had to move, so we had to put that on hold. And she's born in April, so, you know, everything was fucking canceled, so she couldn't have a birthday party this year. So uh. we're going to go splurge a little extra for her this Christmas. So I do plan on buying Mercy Christmas, but most likely next year. <laughs> how how old do you think she should be before you, she watches this movie with you? Because there's no boobs in it. Uh, uh, not especially she, too much vulgar, vulgar, she's vulgarity. She's watched some horror with me, she's watched you. Usually, and with the wife, we kind of we kind of have an agreement. Our daughter knows what words not to say. Um, she she watches the making of like horror movies with me. Like she watched one of the Chucky movies, and she was fascinated on like how they did like a decapitation with the makeup and stuff. So she knows the behind the scenes. She knows stunt work. It's basically just you know the sex and nudity. But I, I would watch and there, this. And there's none her. of that in this movie. That's right, and, and she's watched a couple movies that have like she's watched Idle Hands with me. There's a couple scenes of boobs in that. I, I she turns her head, then she goes back to watch it. So, blood and gore, you know, I wouldn't make her watch like Nightmare on Elm Street, which would fucking scare her. But something yeah. like this, she's eight years old. It's nothing. She yeah. now whether this would keep her attention because of you know the reliance on some of the comedy. You can I just tell know. her it's grown up Charlie Brown. <laughs> she is now finally getting into Charlie Brown, so you never know. Yeah, you could tell her this is like the sequel to a Charlie Brown Christmas. Yep, this is what happens to Charlie after, you know, the football is pulled away from him one too many times. <laughs> it's like, what happened after Charlie Brown did that whole ooh, 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 ooh by, the, by the doghouse? This is like yeah. what he grew up into. See, this is what happened. Don't fucking make fun of his Christmas tree ever again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'll show... I mean, I could show this with the nephews. Because one is thirteen, the other's eight, and again, like no, uh, like no sex, no nudity. Mm-hmm. It's just like a lot of violence, but not like extreme terrorizing violence. It's just like yeah, a guy got his leg chopped off. So it's kind of like like intermediate violence. Like I look at it this way: it's not my place to say they're not my my nephews, my children. But you said when during the Friday the Thirteenth episode, you watched that with at least one of them. So if the one you watched it with can handle that, it, he can handle this. Yeah, it's like, kind of like a, like mid to light slasher level gore. Mm-hmm. Because it is on a budget. Yeah. And, and it's reflected in it, but the cinematography accounts for that. So, you know what? If you haven't seen this, we're just going to stop talking about it so that you can just get on and watch it, even though we've ruined some of the spoilers for you. Yeah. It is well worth watching. It oh, is. Yeah. It, it's going to be in the classic Christmas repertoire, like along with Santa's sleigh. Yep. This is going to be, this is definitely, this is for, for, for me, 
you know, you, you don't feel like you need a shower afterwards, but this is like, you know, 2006 is Black Christmas for me. It might not be in a, a yearly watch, but it's, you know, maybe in every other year, like 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 Santa's sleigh or maybe Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know. If you found really, someone that hasn't seen it, it's a yep. good excuse to watch it with them. Yeah, the only one I watch every year is Gremlins, but, you know, that's because it's, you know, it's fucking Gremlins. But this would this is definitely making it into my maybe every other year rotation for Christmas. <laughs> we hope you have a wonderful Christmas massacre. And remember, we're not taking it a week off this year because after the year you've had, you deserve an extra week of the Christmas massacre. So stay tuned for our little I pray Christmas Christmas movie. Until then, I'm Mike. I'm Eric. And have a happy horror days from the Graveyard Shift. The Graveyard Shift is a Strange Biscuits production. Visit our website at strangebiscuits.com slash graveyardshift to hear all of our previous episodes. Subscribe to us, rate, and review us on CastBox, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and Spotify. And don't forget to check out our Instagram at The Graveyard Shift Pod, as well as our Facebook at The Graveyard Shift Pod. Our Twitter is GS underscore Horror Pod. And if you wish to support the show financially, visit us at patreon.com slash graveyard. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support the show and get bonus content. The theme for The Graveyard Shift is As Brutal As It Ever Was by Technoaxe. Visit their website at technoaxe.com and their YouTube channel for more royalty-free music. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay spooky. Ha 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 